0: Welcome to the Alton Webb Commercial Real Estate Podcast. The team at Alton Webb has been going beyond the transaction for 25 years with personalized and professional real estate services. To celebrate, we released this special set of episodes to share a few stories, our experiences, and help you with your own next steps in commercial real estate. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Lee Webb. We've heard all about real estate and business and entrepreneurship. We wanna get some behind the scenes questions. Mm. Some unfiltered questions.
1: Yes, behind the scenes. Yes. Okay, let's do it. Maybe even a couple of bloopers.
0: You there's always a good blooper when you're around. Always For sure. a word that is not a real word that you make up and then <laughs> we have to go and Google so I can prove it's you're not, not a real word. You're
1: not lying at all. Oh my god. Okay,
0: so Lee, one of your passions is community service. Where did that start for you?
1: Yeah, you know, community service was, uh, I know in your family was ingrained in you earlier, just sort of like a natural outflow of like what your family did. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to say the same thing. But for me personally, when I think back about community involvement, when I, when I grew up and was in high school, I played soccer. And I I wanted to play basketball for the University of Kentucky, but for some reason, you know, I kind of stopped growing at about 5'8", so that didn't really pan out for me. So, soccer was a thing. After I graduated from the University of Kentucky and came back to Shelbyville, the gentleman that was running the uh, soccer leagues at the local park, which Mm -hmm. is only like three or four teams, uh, came to me one day and said, hey, I know you played soccer. Nobody knows anything about soccer and I'm like, well, I'm pretty limited. But he was like, well, would you be willing to coach this youth team, this under 12 team? And I was amazed at how much energy I got from being with the kids and being out there. And that was really the first time that I experienced what it really meant to give some of your time. You know, when you're in high school, you're really focused on yourself and in trying to get a good mm-hmm. ACT score or maybe a part time job or something. And then you get to the University of Kentucky, and you think you've arrived, and you're really big stuff, which, you know, that's a whole other episode. Um, So a lot of mistakes, a lot of learning, but not a lot of focus on the outside world, more on my own. And so that was really one of the first involvements that I had. And that stuck with me today because now I get to coach our kids' teams, and I love the kids that we get to coach. It's just volunteer, and there's something sweet about volunteering and giving of your time, but also not uh, requiring financial, you know, help to do it.
0: Right. Well, th- I think that's a big thing that I want to point out, because a lot of times when you're in business and you think about community service, it's writing a check. Right. So right. you get a call and they say, hey, we need a sponsor for this event. We need a silent auction basket. Uh, so it really what hit, strikes me about what you said is you volunteered your time mm. and then you were in relationship. Right? Because if you are just giving money or just see it as you're just doing something for someone else, you really lose out on that two-way connection and really what service does. It, it actually... You're helping yourself, right?
1: Well, and, and you're so right. And you can learn so much about others and what they're actually thinking and processing. It gets you outside of your own preference and expectations, your own set of circumstance, especially if you volunteer in an area where there's a lot of diversity, there's a lot of opportunities to meet new people, mm-hmm. to... To interact, to do different things, to learn about their gifts and their passions and to explore that. And so naturally, I love that. I would also say growing up in a small town in Kentucky like Shelbyville, people are so utterly generous. Mm-hmm. They're gracious, the people here in the Commonwealth are. And so you learn from just watching them what you should do and how you should act and how it shouldn't be about yourself all the time. I think about Marty Brown, who is a hero of ours that started a ministry in the urban areas and downtown for kids. Um, I think about uh, Willie Fleming, who is a hero of mine that worked on really difficult estates and deeds and trusts that nobody else would work on to help people that he loved. Mm -hmm. And so people have modeled that for me over the years. And so it just became like something that I enjoyed
0: Mm.
1: and it wasn't something force fed. And so I don't want to, needless to say, become prideful in my community involvement, but it's actually something that I really enjoy.
0: You mentioned prideful. So if you do (laughs) something to serve and you don't post it on Facebook and let everyone know, does it still count? Oh my I think oh that's my. another really interesting thing. Uh, is, let me let me yeah. say let me okay. say this
1: about that. <laughs> I think most of the heroes that I have that are in community involvement that actually are doing the hard work on the front lines, none of them have a Twitter account mm-hmm. or an X account, mm-hmm. or none of them have Instagram. They just get about right. doing stuff. They're they're doers.
0: Mm. We can learn a lot from that approach. I <laughs> learn a lot from them.
1: I know that. Let me also say that I see in business often uh, there there is an unwillingness to give of time. There is an unwillingness to actually give of network, or of privilege, or of resource. Those are different types of things to give. So if somebody has a real need and they call you, will you help them get that job? Will you put your name or your perceived credibility or network on the line to actually help somebody that doesn't have what you have?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's strong. All right, we're going to talk now about the elephant in the room. What is church planting? What wow. in the world? What, what does it mean to be a church planter?
1: Well, it sounds like an awful hard thing to endeavor to want to be, right? Or to like come up with on your own, I'm going to go plant or start a church. You know, it's like, I can't relate to that. And that that's a struggle for me to even think about that kind of thing, uh, you know, that line of thinking. But, you know, we talked about community involvement and that being a passion of ours. And so... Like a lot of things in business, um, you you know, I've I've found the best things that have started have been often started by accident, Mm -hmm. right? Like as entrepreneurs, we step off into opportunity, not really knowing where it's going to lead. And then sometimes we get surprised and something actually comes out of these dreams or these ideas that we had. And for us, church planning just happened to be one of those. We didn't endeavor to do that. And we were really hesitant, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, no,
0: you, I mean, I distinctly remember... We loved our church. We were sitting there one Sunday, though, and in a matter of about five minutes, I look over and on our bulletin, you have made a list of a hundred names of people who would never attend that church not that not that it's the church's fault, right. but just the barrier was too high, too formal. uh, you know, too many challenges just felt totally out of reach, yeah, and that is where our lives slipped upside down. I think it's safe to say we weren't this was not something that we had in our premarital counseling discussed or planned <laughs> in advance. So what in the world? So yeah, yeah. How, did, how did it even come to be?
1: Well, and, and I think that that's the thing. I mean, we just took that one person at a time mentality. Um, and I like to try to think we do that in business too. You know, just the person that's in mm-hmm. front of you, the call that you need to make, the coffee that you need to have. In serving in our community, we became acutely aware of the indifference or the apathetic hearts that we had towards the actual hurting and broken people in our town. And and what I mean is we started serving in these nonprofits and we realized none of them had enough volunteers. Mm-hmm. None of them had enough money. Uh, all of their buildings were falling down around them and they didn't even have the margin to even think about those things because they were trying to help the person get the food they needed for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so that just felt off to you and I, I believe. And that's that's that m- sort of that nudge that we had to say, we love our community. We know that God loved us first, and we can't just sit here inside comfortable when we have been shown all of this need. Right, And so is. You know, we just started in, I think, just serving one of those nonprofits. And the next thing we knew, we had a bunch of friends that wanted to help us do that. Because it's kind of weird. You know, you think about church. It's like, hey, do you want to come to church with me? It seems like Mm -hmm. such an awkward, weird question to ask somebody. But if we ask them, hey, would you go clean toilets with me at the homeless shelter? They're like, yeah, homelessness sucks. And we need to do something about that. We should actually do something to help. Um, yeah, when are you going to do that? And they <laughs> right. would bring their whole family.
0: <laughs> what it was interesting. In the beginning, we met in a school, and we joked and said, I mean, it's true. It looked more like an AA meeting than a church meeting. I mean, truly people were sharing their stories. People were coming as where they are. We'd have someone get up to talk and he would, you know, drop drop an F-bomb and we're like, oh, you know, <laughs> but uh, they were just processing through life. And so right. one of the big questions, we have so many churches in Kentucky. There's a church on every corner, everywhere we walk. Why in the world will we need a new church?
1: Well, let me say this. I think in, in terms of ministry, there are many established churches that are doing great work that God has used and continues to use. I would also say there's a lot of good work happening around revitalization of existing churches, so I don't want to minimize those first two categories at all. I would also say, though, there is a great need for more healthy churches so while we work on those first two, I think it would be uh, off-putting for us to not recognize the biblical nature of church planning and our need for more healthy churches as Kentucky grows, as the population grows. And so we've seen them be great, great assets in the communities where either we've been a part of planting or helped other people plant churches. Mm-hmm. We've seen real transformation It's different when you're in the middle of a church plant or something that's starting because guess what? You don't have any scaffolding. You don't have any programming. We all have to own the mission together. And when it's centered on God's love and what Christ did for us, there's some real momentum around that.
0: And we've seen, studies have shown that people who have never been to church are more likely to come to a new church. Mm because of that reason, right? Because there's less formalities and they can almost be part of things in the beginning. So that's been really neat to see.
1: Well, we all want something authentic. Okay. Absolutely. And, And you mentioned the AA meeting and I would think there's a real vulnerability even from the leadership in a church plant to say, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what we're doing, but here's what we do know. It's not right that those guys are living under the bridge and nobody's right. doing anything about right.
0: it. Well, Yeah, and if we're honest, it's not a other thing. I mean, I know that I've dealt with addiction as one example since you said, A, with people I love. And mm-hmm. um, so these are real issues as Kentuckians that we face. So it's not like going in to be the superhero. Uh, really what we've seen with church planning is it's typically people who live and work and love their kids community and who have struggled themselves. And so that is what spurs them on to want to serve and to want to provide that community, that faith community to encourage one another.
1: You know, you really can't love broken people until you've been broken <laughs> yeah. first.
0: Yeah. And if we're honest, we, we have all been there. So, okay. You're somewhat of enigma. So this is the other big fat elephant. If we've got two <laughs> big fat elephants, the fact that you're a church planter, weird.
1: Yes. So very weird. weird,
0: And also that you've you're an author. You've written two books.
1: Another One, what, accidental thing.
0: Tell me about because I know as a kid you didn't even like to read. Like no, you've told I me, didn't. you're like I, I hated to read, and,
1: and I really don't. I, I don't know that I love writing even now or reading.
0: You do um, love reading, I will say. That's you're, true. I'm in there trying to put on my show, you know, and you're you're like watching, you know, a history documentary or yeah, you know,
1: that's right, that's right. Well, you do
0: love to read, but tell me, how did this evolve from being a kid who really truly? wasn't that interested, definitely more interested in sports right? and then becoming an author.
1: Well, I think it goes back to that passion for community involvement, which I can only give credit to those people that mentored me and mentored you and became heroes of ours. And so after we got involved in business and we got to serve on bank boards and chamber boards and we got to know our community and our context really well beyond just growing up there, And then being involved with something as crazy as church planning in our community, it just seemed right and fitting that all of the stories and all of the things that we were sitting on the front row watching, it just seemed right that those things ought to be captured in some way. Mm -hmm. So I, I am really passionate about journaling. And the reason I'm most passionate about that is because I think I'm going to forget everything. <laughs> so I have to always remind myself. And you know that like uh, Rachel send me to the grocery and she'll tell me to get three things. And mysteriously, only two of them show up. How does that happen?
0: I don't know. I know you're doing your best, but I do put it in writing.
1: (laughs) I'm doing my best. We're talking about writing books, and here we are at the grocery store. But it's just everyday life. And so these heroes of mine and the stories and the experiences that we had, I just felt like we needed to get not only them journaled, but like put into something that was a little more um, cohesive and so as we were doing that, we thought more about the real momentum around what we've done in church planning or business is this notion of going outside. Um, go outside is really kind of the vision for our family, right? So where are the needs in the community? Where can we use the gifts and passions we have to leave things better? And the way that we have to do that is we have to move past our indifference mm-hmm. and we have to go outside and that is modeled for us perfectly by Jesus, who went outside to give his life for us. So we ought to consider his sacrifice in our daily lives as well. And so that's where the first book—oh, he go brought outside,
0: the <laughs> go outside
1: to... came from. It was it was more of a catalog. of well, can I can I pause yeah. you
0: there and say specifically, you woke up crack of dawn before the sun was even up, actually, mm-hmm. and you read a passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews thirteen. And it talks about going outside the city gates, going outside the camp to where Jesus is and to join him in the action and in the suffering. When you woke me up at like 6 a.m. to tell me you you figured out life, basically, <laughs> I was so confused. Since then, I, I mean, it's been like 15 years, over yeah. 15 years. Yeah. That has become really like the mantra for, for our family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, the vision of Go Outside obviously was given to us. We weren't the originators of that. And you mentioned the source in which we found the notion of the outside. When we think about writing a book or trying to put... I, I just want to say, I, I did not feel like I had permission or I was worthy enough to write a book or to do something like that. Again, the motivation goes back to... And what really got me over the hump to finish the book were the heroes that had developed around us and had taught us so much. Yeah, so. I think that
0: like Marty Brown, I'm just I'm going to give one example from the book. When I was young, I, I went through a really difficult season in life. My parents were going through a divorce, uh, just really a sad time as a young kid, probably around nine or 10. And I had a teacher, Mrs. Brown, mm-hmm. who was amazing. She called me Rachelini Fettuccini with a pizza on her head. That was her <laughs> nickname for me.
1: That's great.
0: Uh, she would, she had a van and she was not someone who had like wealth herself or tremendous means. She would, she would drive the van around and pick up kids who needed, who needed a place of belonging. She would take us to church and the, that was so formative in my life. And now Marty, she started an organization called Father's Love that continues today that has uh, classes for kids and also activities, things like dance and mentorship and that legacy has continued. And Marty, she would call herself a very normal person. Mm-hmm. And she was able to do that. So I think the really great thing about your book is you're not highlighting these, you know, well-known Mother Teresa's as he's flipping the pages, if you hear that. <laughs> but he's really focusing on people who are, who are just like us, who are just very average, ordinary people who were just willing to see what other people's needs were.
1: Well, I needed to flip the page because I wanted to see Miss Marty's picture, who we have a picture of in our office. Uh, But you mentioned that sense of belonging and need. And so that really ties back to community involvement, church planning, writing books. It's like creating environments and spaces for people to be able to collaborate, to coexist together, to learn from each other, and maybe perhaps unlearn. But I love the word belonging, and it really drives, you know, the movie The Outsiders was a big part of the Go Outside book in terms of um, kind of where we drew some inspiration. But there's a quote from there that says, they grew up on the outside of society. They weren't looking for a fight. They were looking to belong. Mm -hmm. So Miss Marty and so many others helped motivate me to actually finish this book, Go Outside, which we've been able to do. And then a couple of years ago, Wrote a second book named Now Then, which is about how to begin again. So, Go Outside is about getting started, it's about that inspiration, it's about that passion. But once we get out there, we find out that it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. And if we're going to start again or begin again, we've got more questions this time around. There's more contemplation, especially after all the world has been through in the last few years, pandemic and whatnot. So that's this book, Now Then, which is about how to begin again.
0: Okay, so now we've dressed these really different categories, being an author and being involved with church planning and in the community. How does this tie into being a businessman for you?
1: Well, I used to think that all of these things were mutually exclusive. Like there was compartments, like you did this and you did this from this time to this time. You had this title, which meant that this was your identity. And I think together we've learned that those compartments that we've built, there should not be a fracturing between the way that we operate on Sunday morning at church. Mm -hmm. or Monday afternoon on a cold call, or on Wednesday night with how we spend our time, or that's coaching you soccer, uh, or what we do to just love our neighbor next door. So we just wanted to try to, I think, build that vision for our family that go outside thing. As I look back now, 20, 25 years, I think we've just tried to walk that out each day, no matter what involvement we were in. And I think that's a good parallel for business. I feel like a lot of business and success in business is driven by uh, the same principles that we would have... Within these other involvements and engagement, I mean, treat others like you would like to be treated, right? Like if somebody calls you, call them back. You know, just little things like crazy. that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, do people even call each other anymore?
0: I think people. I think it's like rude to call someone in <laughs> this day and age. In fact, I call. So don't some, call. Don't call like, people Hello, back. Why are you calling?
1: Yeah, me? you called me, and that was unkind. <laughs> At least so text. you know, I won't be unkind and call you back. So yeah, no. So these, are, I think, some of the things, and this has been a really uh, fun way to sort of think about our involvement as small business owners and the flexibility we've had to be able to do other that's things. That's right. If
0: you didn't if you did not own your own business, you wouldn't have had the margin in your time to write the book, to serve like you do, to be a church planter and it's been neat how that's been like a symphony that all of that's been able to um, to work together. really cool
1: that's great thank you and thanks for asking those questions the probing ones anyone that knows you knows that you would have asked about the elephants in the room (laughs) not like return on equity or something boring like that no we
0: want to get to the good stuff we like the juicy (laughs) stuff around here
1: well i love you and thank you for coming on thank you views expressed on the alton web podcast are our own and do not represent those of our clients employers or other engagements Photos, commentary, and videos herein do not indicate ongoing representation. All information and data are mere opinions, none of which is guaranteed or warranted. If we can help, please find us at AltonWeb.com.